Praise the Lord. I don't know if this is turned on there. There we go. All right. Well, uh, y'all be seated, please. And again, let me thank David and Vicki for the privilege of being here this week. It's an honor. Uh, I'm also, I'm, it's awesome to be able to come with your friends where there's uh, a connection in the spirit. And it's like, you know, things come out that wouldn't come out in any other venue by the Holy Ghost. So I really consider it uh, an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, let's take just a moment and pray. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity tonight to receive from you. And we realize that the word is always anointed, but we have some adjustments to make on occasion. We purpose to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, we exercise our faith for divinely inspired utterance and thank you in advance for life-changing truth that will come forth this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess, you know, um, it's sort of become uh, a pattern to share a joke or two before we get started. So, just a couple of quick hitters. You know, you know that uh, Noah was the world's first investment banker. He was floating stock while the rest of the world was in liquidation. You know? <laughs> and of course, you, you heard about the atheist that had dyslexia. He didn't believe in dogs. <laughs> Come on now, y'all can get into it a little. Let me try another one. I'm going to keep telling them till you laugh a little bit. You know what you get when you cross an atheist and a Jehovah's Witness? Someone who knocks on doors for no apparent reason. <laughs> oh, you're doing better. No, no, that's an old one. Everybody's heard that. You know? Well, we'll see how it goes. I may do that later. But you know, you do. Do we have any former Lutherans in here? One. Okay. Two. One. Well, this is a joke, sir, but you do know that the Lutherans are going to beat us, all the rest of us to heaven, don't you? The dead in Christ shall rise first. All right, I think I better quit on that one, amen. Well, thank you for, um, uh, again, laughing. I want to talk a little bit about the theme of our conference, which is Wisdom and Revelation. And we started uh, this morning with a little bit of a discussion about the essence of Revelation is bringing understanding to something that is intellectually unattainable. What are you doing, Mark? <laughs> Okay, uh, excuse me. Uh, I thought I was being harassed by my friend over there. But at any rate, revelation truly is the basis for anything that's going to happen that you want to have happen in the kingdom of God. The source of God's will and blessing begins with revelation. And of course, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to your life. It is to reveal the things that eye hadn't seen, ear hadn't heard, neither has entered the heart of man uh, to them that love him. And of course, uh, that's his purpose for you, 
to be a revealer of the things that you need to know uh, to advance in God's purpose and God's blessing for your life. So learning to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to lean upon and uh, His indwelling presence and enable His ministry becomes an important factor in your gaining revelation knowledge. With that having been said, you know, the absence of revelation, uh, there's a word in the New Testament for it, which implies knowledge without revelation, uh, without understanding. And that Greek word is musterion. I read the uh, meaning of it this morning uh, from W.E. Vines' Expository Dictionary. In the New Testament, uh, it denotes not the mysterious as with the English word, but that which being outside the range, I'm going to have to put on my glasses for this, being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension can be made known only by divine revelation and is made known in a manner and at a time appointed by God and to those only who are illumined by His Spirit. So that's what uh, a mystery is. It is something that can be made known only by divine revelation. And it says in Mark chapter 4, uh, after the parable of the sower, Jesus' disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said in verse 11, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The account in Mark 4 uses the singular for mystery, but in Matthew and Luke it's mysteries, plural. And that's the way it should be read. It is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, of course, their sins should be forgiven them, and now they are given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But God doesn't want anything about the kingdom of God to be beyond your understanding. He wants it revealed unto you. And, you know, as we mentioned this morning, there are 10 or 12 different mysteries that are specifically referenced in the New Testament, which would suggest to me that these are things that we in particular as believers are going to need to know and that could well escape a lot of people if they don't give the attention to it that they should. I said 10 or 12, meaning that some of them seem a little redundant. Uh, but there are perhaps 10 good solid things that God says are mysteries. And on many occasions, a couple occasions, He says, don't be ignorant of these. Implying that if we're ignorant of them, then uh, it's going to be a significant detriment to our life in the kingdom, our growth in God and our experience of His blessing. And so, you know, for, for that reason, I'm doing a series in our church at home entitled Mysteries of the Kingdom, and I'm going through each of the ten. And, uh, you know, it's a fascinating study because in those ten, you see things that are such, uh, I mean, common uh, misunderstandings in the body of Christ, things that people really have struggles with uh, having a correct point of view, a correct understanding of. And there's much controversy in many different quarters of the body. You know, the mystery of the rapture is one example. 
the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, is another example. The mystery of the plan of redemption, that's a biggie. You know, the mystery of uh, Christ in the church or the husband-wife relationship, uh, that's the mystery to a lot of people. But basically, without the revelation that only God can bring, these are areas where there will be a significant deficit in your life and in your experience without revelation. Now, I want to begin uh, tonight to examine one of the ones that I think is, is probably the most significant. And since we're already in Mark 4, verse 11, obviously I'm going to talk about the mystery of sowing and reaping. Uh, which, in my humble opinion, uh, most of the people that I know, and many of whom are in our persuasion of faith, really don't have much of a clue about this. Um, and Mark, you know, we've talked a little bit about this in some of our time together, but basically, uh, it is a mystery to many people. And yet, Jesus said this to his disciples when they questioned him about it. He said, know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? Well, a parable, of course, is the way he primarily taught, and it's using a natural analogy to illuminate a spiritual truth. And he said, you don't know this one? How are you going to know any of them? Nothing in the kingdom is going to make sense to you if you don't understand this. And in verse 26 of uh, this chapter, he says, so is the kingdom of God. As though a man should cast seed into the ground, so on and so forth. In other words, uh, this is, the, is a fundamental principle of operation in the kingdom of God. It is so fundamental that if you don't understand this, not much else yeah. is going to make sense to you. And so when we're talking about revelation, I thought it uh, good to spend a little bit of time discussing, you know, the mystery of sowing and reaping. Because truthfully, most people really don't have a good grasp, and I don't say this with any kind of, um, you know, arrogance or pride. I mean, I, everybody's learning all the time. Uh, but I can tell you some things that, that uh, you hear about sowing and reaping that uh, uh, really beg a little revelation be shed on, the, on this matter for most people. Uh, you know, it's not the idea of, okay, I give, whatever I give to somebody, I'm going to get it back in spades. I'm going to get it back multiplied. You know, I give a watch to somebody, I'm going to get 100 watches back, or maybe 60 or maybe 30, but I'm going to get a lot of watches back. Or if I plant dollars, you know, I'm going to get many, many more dollars back in return. And uh, that's a very basic misunderstanding because Jesus says, in the beginning of his definition of the parable of the sower, he says, the sower sows the word. So the seed that is to be sown is the word of God, not anything animate, not anything material. The only time money is referred to in the context of sowing and reaping is when money is used to support the preaching of the gospel <clears throat> because it's the word that is the spiritual seed, and it's sown in the soil of the human heart. And of course, uh, you know, there are many things about this parable, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that you should be 
thinking about a little bit as we discuss it. If you want to know why, perhaps, your life is, you know, working out like it is, this is one of the places you should look. Uh, basically, you know, most people or a lot of people that, that I encounter in my ministry and uh, over time, you know, are busy binding the devil, busy taking their authority in the name of Jesus over a contrary circumstance that they want to see changed. Now, understand that's a very real possibility. It could be, uh, you know, an attack by the enemy. You have authority, you have dominion. Uh, and you should take it, and you should plead the blood and, and believe God for deliverance because you have authority in the name of Jesus. But it should suggest something to you. If you're busy pleading the blood and using the name of Jesus, days and weeks and months pass and nothing changes, then it might not be that which is the problem. There is another possibility. God said he isn't going to be mocked whatsoever you sow, you will reap. There are some things that will not change in your life unless you change the seed you're sowing. And that's why it's of great importance that you understand uh, by revelation of the Holy Spirit the parable of the sower. Another thing that you should probably be aware of as we read this parable is this is really a synopsis of how to become strong in faith. It's what it is. I mean, we say, oh yeah, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. True. Uh, you know, and that's in the continuous present sense. You keep hearing the Word, you keep hearing the Word, and it's the rhema Word spoken to your heart by the Holy Spirit. That's revelation. That's what faith is based upon. But there, there have to be some things you do with your heart to hold that word of revelation where it belongs. You may have a revelation one day and lose it a week or two down the road. There are things you have to do in order to sustain the revelation you gain by hearing and hearing and hearing the word. And that's what the parable of the sower is about. This is a process of building a heart that will be strong in faith as you hear the Word. And these are the processes that we need to consider. You know, it's a matter of cultivating the soil of your heart so that it produces the fruit of that Word that Revelation would, would bring. Um, so then, you know, the, the mentioning the fruit, the presence of fruit will tell you when you're in faith. When we get to the end of the parable, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Um, you know, that's not talking about your harvest. This isn't your harvest. I said, this is not your harvest. Fruit and harvest are two different things. This is the fruit that faith will produce. If you read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 and the Amplified, uh, well, we might just look at that briefly so I don't misquote it. But uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 has this to say. 
Um, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 13.5. We'll get there eventually. Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. The Amplified says, examine yourselves, whether you be holding to your faith and showing the proper fruit of it. So there is a fruit that is associated with faith. I would suggest it's the same fruit that we see produced when you cultivate the garden of your heart the way the parable of the sower tells us to, and you'll produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. What fruit would that be? It's the only fruit that the Word tells us is the product of the seed of God's Word being sown in the reborn human spirit. As Brother Hagen always said, when we talk about Galatians um, chapter 5, verse 22, which says, but the fruit of the Spirit. It's a capital S for Holy Spirit in the King James rendering. Uh, Dad Hagen used to say that that was uh, a misprint in his opinion, that it should be a small s, because it's the fruit of the reborn human spirit that has the seed of God's Word sown in it. So this is the fruit that the cultivation of the human heart, when the seed of God's Word is sown in it, it's that fruit that's being referenced in Mark chapter 4 that very often we confuse with our harvest. That's not your harvest. That's fruit, and it's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. This is the fruit that the Word of God when you come to a place of faith, will produce. You'll find that you love people that you didn't like before. That's a pretty supernatural experience. You'll find that you can rejoice even when there's nothing to rejoice about in the natural. All you have to do is be around somebody like Mark and, you know, it'll come off on you. That's the truth. That's one of the things I love about him. You know, you can be, you can be in a bad mood when you get out of bed, Hang around him for a moment or two and you're laughing. <laughs> Not at him, with him. <laughs> but basically, uh, these, are, these are supernatural fruit of the Spirit. Peace. Garrison's about your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, you know, that passes all understanding because there's no natural reason for you to feel peace considering your circumstance. This is the fruit of the reborn human spirit that has had the Word of God sown in it. So when we read the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, uh, that's the way we should understand this, that these fruit that are referred to in verse 20, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, I mean that's talking about, you know, a hundred times the peace you used to have. A hundred times the patience you used to have. A hundred times the temperance you used to have. A hundred times the love that you used to walk in. I mean, that's what happens when you do what the parable of the sower says we should do with the garden of our heart. 
This is about cultivating the seed of God's Word that is shown in your heart. It'll produce a strong heart of faith, and you'll know that you're in faith when you got peace that passes all understanding, no reason to feel it, when you got joy and you can laugh at famine and destruction, no matter what's going on out there, that's faith. Faith is there when you can love somebody that has treated you poorly for all of your lifetime, when you can love them anyway. That's the product of faith working in your heart. You're becoming a person of faith who is now positioned to receive the harvests that are available to you as a sower. This is not the sower that's being talked about in the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word and that's it. That's all you hear about the sower. Everything else is about you cultivating the seed sown in your heart in order to get to a place of faith and you'll know you're there when you've got the fruit to demonstrate that you've, you've gotten there, then man, uh, things are going to be, things are going to be getting a lot better a lot quicker. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to review the parable in any depth this morning. Maybe we'll do that. Is that you? That's me. Hello? Oh, hey, Lord. How am I doing? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. I'll, I'll be sure to tell him. All right. Thank you. We'll see you later. Lord said you better get your act together. <laughs> Little diversion there. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, we will revert. Re no, okay, let me. We will review the parable of the sore, uh, perhaps point by point tomorrow, um, to talk about how you elevate your experience of life to where you actually are living by faith. And no matter what, you know, you've got the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You're patient. You're filled with moderation. You hear that, Mark? <laughs> filled with moderation. You know, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But I want to say a couple of things that are significant here before my half hour runs out. You going to make him stick to a half hour? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you some important, I'm going to make some comments and, and uh, I want you to, uh, I want you to think about these things. A lot of these things really require, like we said this morning, talking about revelation, you know, require time with the Lord and, and sitting before God, praying in the Holy Ghost, who is the agent of revelation in your life. But just to provoke some thought, um, I've already said your quality or experience of life will be determined by two aspects of this law of sowing and reaping. As a recipient of seed, 
fruit bearing. It will affect your quality and experience of life dramatically. Fruit bearing and as a sower of seed reaping a harvest. Because these are two entirely different considerations that we need to have an understanding of separately. You know, we don't get the sower in the parable of the sower. All we see is that he sows the word. Everything else is about, you know, taking that word sown in your heart and cultivating it so that it produces the fruit we're talking about. The difference between the two. Fruit is the product of internal change wrought by the word sown in you. Fruit is the product of internal change. Peace, love, joy, all of the things we talked about, wrought by the word sown in you. Harvest is the product of external change in this natural arena. Blessing wrought by the word sown in someone else. Fruit is the product of internal change wrought by the word sown in you. Harvest is the product of external change or blessing wrought by the word sown in someone else. I want you to think about these things until, you know, I get back up here tomorrow and we're going to go through the parable of the sword in some more depth and uh, believe that we'll benefit by seeing things that perhaps we haven't seen before. You know, talking about the harvest, you're talking about something other than the parable of the sower because that has to do with what you do with the Word and the fruit you produce. Well, it has been 30 minutes. <laughs>